buddy, put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com and across the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Good morning, my friends. How are you on this beautiful hump day, middle of the week, downhill slide? You could see Firearms Friday from here and... Uh, you wish it was here already. That's that's we know that that's standard operating procedure right now. You wish it was here already. My hair today, I got to tell you, just one of those things. All right. Ah, we're just going to call it like it is. It's fine. Okay, uh good morning and welcome to the program. So, uh, oh yeah, I forgot. Thank you. Uh Rick just reminded me that uh clocks are going back here in just a couple weeks. We're going to fall back. We're going to fall back, which is actually good. You get that extra hour of sleep. It's the uh it's the spring forward that gets you every time, right? Yeah, exactly. Um uh well, <laughs> Oh man. Uh let's uh let's let's figure out what's going on today. What's uh what are we doing? What are we doing this morning? Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Um including um uh, some more information on that Alaska Airlines flight that got, um, it was a Horizon flight, rather, the Alaskan Airlines pilot uh, who uh, who was arrested. There's some more details on that. We've got a lot of the local stories uh, from around the, uh, from around the, the state uh, that we can cover. Uh, and we may be taking some phone calls this morning from um, <clears throat> one of the, uh, Assemblywoman from the <clears throat> Fairbanks North Star Borough, who's going to be coming in to talk about uh, the latest in private property rights with uh, uh, with their subdivision ordinance. They were they've been having some problems. Uh, the Fairbanks North Star Borough has never been uh, that well. I mean, I guess the borough itself has been pretty friendly. But the assembly has not always been that friendly to uh, property owners. There's been plenty of times where assemblies have decided that they know better than you what you should do with your property and how it should be done. And uh, we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. Um, they there was some good news on this uh, last Thursday, and uh, we may have. Uh, we may have an assembly person on to discuss it with us here sometime this morning in hour one, uh, just to kind of give us the straight dope and the rundown on what was happening there. So we'll continue. We'll continue those discussions. Um, 
and uh, we'll see what it says. Yeah, Anthony says private property. I don't think that mean. I don't think that word means what they think it means. Yeah, exactly. Because every time you say private property, all they hear is public good. That's you know, you say private property, they hear public good. That's that's what comes down out of that. Uh, we also might do a little bit of a what if segment uh, because there was an interesting article in the Wall Street Journal of all places uh, that we will discuss. Uh, later on about kind of being prepared and and everything else and so that should be a that should be a, a fun discussion and then uh, in hour two we're looking forward to uh, hearing from uh, state senator uh, Mike shower which I mean f- fingers crossed he's going to be he's going to be joining us here in just a little bit and uh, we should be hearing from him and figuring out what's going on. So uh, that's just some of the stories that we have. Uh, not a lot of uh, not a lot of big stuff happening um, in uh, in the state of Alaska uh, as far as politics or things like that goes. Although there is an interesting op-ed in the Watchman talking about the policies of the Anchorage School District over whether or not. Um, over whether or not parents should be uh, notified of uh, student uh, naming, uh, IDs, genders, things like that. So again, just to me, this is just another uh, just another prime example of why you probably, as a parent, would should should, should not would but should consider uh, pulling your kids out of school. Uh, and and homeschooling them because <clears throat> at least then you know what you're going to get. You're at least going to know what you're going to get as well. And on top of that, we'll open up the phone lines because why not? <laughs> I mean, why not? It's just a you know, it's a, it's a Wednesday, and we'll uh, we'll do that as well. So uh, I guess we should uh, get things cranking here and get stuff uh, going on. So uh, I'm going to, I forgot to turn the phones on is what I'm saying. So I'm turning the phones on right now. Uh, so if you would like to uh, sound off and be part of the show today and uh, continue the discussion and talk with us, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Uh, all you got to do is uh, dial up the phones. 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. And we will... Uh, We'll hang out. We'll hang out and talk about what you want to talk about. And it could be local stuff, things happening in your community. It could be, uh, um, you know, some statewide stuff, or I guess even if you want to talk about some national stuff, it's not like I have anything necessarily super good to say about national stuff other than can we really affect that? That seems to be my that seems to be my mantra on some stuff, unless it's gun rights, in which case I feel strongly that we can and have affected that over the course of years, uh, mostly through vigilance, and I think civil disobedience. I think is kind of the is kind of the the, the mantra of the gun culture across the country. But uh, so anyway, we're ready to uh, we're ready to go. Again, got everything lined up, and now the phone lines are turned on, so we're ready to go. If you want to be part of it. Feel free to uh, feel free to jump in with both feet and let's uh, let's get things uh, rolling again. Nine zero seven four three three 
3150. If you would like to be part of it, we'd love to hear what you have to say. And folks in the chat room, feel free to chime in on anything. If you want to throw a subject out there, we can, uh, <clears throat> we can, we can, we can do it. So um, there's a suspect at large in a shooting in Anchorage. Um, speaking of Firearms Friday, um, no real answer as to exactly what happened. Um, and if you're not in the Anchorage and South Central area, you probably don't care about this, but this is going to lead up into a, this is leading me into a bigger story. So I'm giving you the rundown on this. The Monday, there was a shooting uh, Monday afternoon at an apartment complex. <clears throat> now they have identified the suspect and, um, he looks, <laughs> the picture they've got of him looks like this soft young kid who's just, you know, wouldn't. He's got that I-wouldn't-hurt-a-fly look on his face. 27-year-old Jesse Lee Jones. Uh, his whereabouts are currently unknown. He's got an arrest warrant out now for murder one, two counts of murder two, and assault three. Uh, it, it occurred, the shooting occurred in the office of Alpine Apartments over off of Mockingbird Drive at about 3.45 p.m. on Monday. They locked the whole area down. SWAT was on the scene. And, uh, but apparently he had already, uh, made good his escape by the time they got all set up, apparently, because he is in the wind and they are looking for him right now. Um, no, no, uh, <clears throat> information on exactly what caused the altercation, uh, but he ended up shooting, um, one of the longtime employees of the apartment complex who was, according to the spokesperson, well-loved and respected by those who were there, uh, except for apparently Jesse Lee Jones, who was not a fan. And he is now uh, on the lam, <clears throat> so to speak, and is uh, out and about uh, amongst the populace. So this story was just kind of a precursor going into the next story, uh, which, I mean, if oh, they are asking if any, and I don't know if anybody's listening in Anchorage right now, but if you live down near Mockingbird Drive, they are looking for um, any information regarding the incident, including surveillance footage of the area. So if you've got a ring doorbell or a wise camera or, you know, ring light or nest or whatever, whatever security system or home video system you have that may videotape the street, they're looking for uh, surveillance footage of the area from about 3 p.m. onward on Monday. So <clears throat> you can reach out to APD uh, at 786-8900, and uh, you can talk to them there and get that information out there. But this story led was leading me up to this story in the Alaska Beacon from Claire Strempel, which is uh, an interesting look on what's going on um, in uh, what's going on in the state overall uh, with crime and the various forms of it, including violent crime, rape, murder, uh, homicide, burglary, and more. The murder rate in Alaska has increased dramatically in just the last year. There's been a slight overall decrease in crime statewide in the last year. Uh, and most notably, Alaska, which has led the nation kind of on a per capita basis in uh, rapes uh, throughout the, you know, throughout the years, has actually had a decrease of uh, nearly 6 percent. 
Property crimes have decreased nearly 3%, continuing a four-year trend, and burglary is down more than 15%, and that is well below the national average. I mean, this is definitely a turnaround from SB91 days, so some good news there. Uh, The overall violent crime rate is up slightly, but what really caught people's attention are two statistics. One is the rate of murders, which increased in one year from 2021 to 2022. The murder rate in the state of Alaska Alaska increased 67%. Now, if you're like, oh, well, two people got murdered and now four people got murdered, that makes sense. No, no, this this is a... It's a pretty staggeringly high number. And the second one that caught my attention was the rate of arson. Arson in the state of Alaska in from 2021 to 2022 jumped more than 40 points, 40 percent. The interesting thing about uh, the reporting on the homicide victims is that most homicide victims were male. The most common relationship between victim and offender was stranger meaning it wasn't somebody that they knew. Um, Again, another characteristics of why we should go forth armed. Um, And uh, the reports characterize most female homicide victims as intimate partners of the offender, which usually includes wives and girlfriends. They're going through all this data right now. The Alaska Department of Public Safety Commissioner James Cockrell said in a news interview, while the 2022 crime data continues to show decreasing crimes in many categories, we have significant work to do addressing violent crimes such as murder and aggravated assault. And again, I don't know if that is necessarily the police's job to address because police are there to do things after the fact. We have some societal issues that I think that we still need to continue to work on. Um, and I would hope that we can um, I'm, I'm hoping that we can continue to see some decreases in the areas that were decreasing and put a stop to the put a stop to the increases that we have overall. Governor Mike Dunleavy uh, uh, spoke um, and lauded the news release and the It said public safety has been one of his top priorities. He said Alaska's overall crime rate is down, property crime rate is down, and the rate of sexual assault is down significantly, with western Alaska seeing a decrease of close to 9% in felony sex crimes, which, again, is an amazing accomplishment considering Alaska has continued to top the charts in many of those uh, instances and cases. So some good stuff. We'll see what... uh, We'll see what next year brings, but again, 67% increase in uh, 67% increase in homicide rate and murder rate across the state. Not necessarily puts kind of a blemish on all the other good news that they've got going on. And reminds me again of why I continue to go forth armed because especially when the the most homicide victims were male and the most common relationship between victim and offender was stranger well, that catches my attention. Doesn't, I mean, you? All right, uh, we got more coming up. I got one line on hold. They just got on hold here a minute ago, so we're going to take uh, take their calls here on the other side. Caller, don't go anywhere. And we're going to continue with more. The Michael Duke Show. Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We'll return in just a moment. Don't go anywhere.
If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. <clears throat> we're ready to go. We got one caller on hold. Let's go get their name and where they're calling from so that when we return to the radio here in just a couple minutes, we can uh, start off with their phone call. Good morning, caller. Who's this? Uh, where are you calling from? Hello, caller. I think I think they probably put their phone down in the commercial break. Caller, are you there? All right. Uh, I can hear him in the background. So apparently they put their phone down during the commercial break and we'll just have to come back to them. We'll just have to come, just come, you know, mm, yeah. Um, <clears throat> let me go back up here to see what everybody's talking about. We'll start off with it from the very beginning. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Everybody's saying hi to my dog. He's at my feet this morning. We had a great day yesterday. Yesterday, first full day of work, <laughs> he was like, I don't know what's going on. Um, he, uh, he was, he was, uh, he was definitely getting the education, the drive to Anchorage, you know, sitting in the office with me, uh, figuring stuff out. It was, um, it was a lot of fun. It was, it was a lot of fun. Um, I just, I can't tell you how blessed I am that, um, how blessed I am that this, uh, that this pup came into my life when it did. It really, um, it really was what we like to call fortuitous circumstances. All right, governor, fortuitous circumstances, what you're looking for. Yep. That's what I was looking for. Didn't even know that I needed it. And uh, it was pretty, pretty amazing. So, yeah. Um, all right. Uh, Rick said it'll be dark soon. We talked about that. Um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Bill says, what hair? I do. I still have some. Oh, it's getting a little thinner on top, isn't it? Yeah, there's not much left up there. Well, you know what? And it just doesn't want to participate this morning. I knew I should have wet it a little harder this morning. Okay. Whatever. Um, that's okay. My brother went bald by the time he was 20. So I feel like I got every, every, every year above 20 was a, was a, it was a bonus year. Uh, yeah. Bosco's licking my head. That's what it is. Um, um, they do it to keep radio talk shows fueled with topics like contrails, fluoridation of drinking water, and gay frogs. I don't know what Brian was referring to there, but he's probably not wrong. It's a fluorid in the water, turn of the frogs gay. Right? I mean, that's what he, that's what he went to do. Uh, District 8 will be holding its monthly meeting tonight at 530 at Paradiso's in Kenai. Um... They put snipers on the roof, said Brian. Daughter, too, lives in that complex, said it was a circus. Yeah, they got pictures all over the place. That was like, seriously, they did not know where this guy was. Um, um, morning. Thoughts on voting in November 
by Wilson. Makes sense. The ones against it seem to be the more left-leaning. Great day to all. Cast Iron Bacon is on. Yeah, no, I think that that's a great idea. And we, we'll talk about that, John. I'll bring, let me, let me, let me star that so that I can come back to it. I think that that is a, a good, uh, a good point. All right. We are about uh, 45 seconds out and we're ready to jump back into it here. Uh, what is the staggering uh, number um, oh, just again, I don't know what the exact number is, but I know that it's more than two or four. That's what I was saying. You know, when you go from two to four, that's a hundred percent increase, but not necessarily a huge number. Uh, but in Anchorage alone, there's been 40 something. It, well, that's including the homelessness. Uh, I want to say it was 20 murders in the last, uh, 12 months, and these numbers are from 21 to 22. So maybe I was speaking out of turn because they don't list the numbers in the report and they don't link the report in the story. But we'll, um, oh, maybe they did link the report. I lied. They did link the report. I'll pull it. Here we go. Okay, uh, we're ready to jump back into this here. Um, I tried to get the caller's name during the break, but they apparently had stepped away from their telephone. So let's go over there to see if they're still with us. No, they didn't hang around. Well, I mean, that was, I mean, I tried to talk to you during the break, but you just weren't listening to me, man. So uh, I don't know what was going on there, but didn't, didn't want to listen. Um, all right. So we will, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll keep the, we'll keep the ball rolling. So that means the phone lines, let me make sure they could actually hear me. You know, sometimes stuff just decides to. Welcome to the conferencing service. Yep. Sometimes stuff just decides to not work anymore, but apparently it's all working. So the phone lines are open at 907-433-3150. What do you expect from a low budget radio show? I mean, that's, that's what it's all about here, baby. Um, we were just talking about those, uh, statistics and there is, uh, and, 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 uh, somebody was asking me, uh, Jeannie was asking me in the chat room, what do you mean by number? And, uh, that's a good question. Let me go back up here and talk about, um, um, and somebody else was asking about the theft rate, the motor vehicle theft rate. Motor vehicle theft rate is actually at a low. It's back to almost uh, uh, to 20, what, 2016 levels, 2014 levels. Um, <clears throat> vehicle theft had spiked about 2017, 2018, and has come back down. We're still uh, uh, slightly above the national average, but not too bad. Burglary rate down. Homicide rate or uh, a burglary rate, a robbery rate, aggravated assault rate. Rate is up a bit, but the murder rate, ooh, man, that uh, took uh, that took quite a uh, tw- quite an increase. A total of seventy murders were reported in twenty twenty two. 
represents 1.2% of violent crimes. The number of murders increased 66.7%, and the rate of murders per 100,000 persons increased 67 per, 66.7% uh, as well. Um, and so pretty, pretty good-sized jump as opposed to 2021 when there were only 42 murders. So pretty significant number uh, overall. Uh, and then they break it down by weapons and everything else. Interestingly enough, uh, hands, fists, and feet uh, beat out, uh, almost beat out knives and cutting instruments. Um, although blunt objects included in there did, if you put blunt objects, clubs, hammers, fists, and feet, it did beat out knives or edged weapons. Um, handguns, still the preferred weapon of murderers. 29 of the murders committed with a handgun, uh, seven with a shotgun, three with a rifle, and nine with a firearm type not stated. So this is some interesting statistics. Um, if you want to go down there, I will uh, drop a link in the chat room to the uh, to the uh, crime report, and you can uh, download it for yourself and take a look at all the details. So I uh, will pop it into the chat room right now so folks can take a look at it. Okay, uh, where was I going with all this before I was so uh, rudely interrupted by the commercial break? Oh, we were going to do the phone call, but they decided not to hang on. So let's go over to The Watchman. The Watchman has an interesting article, which to me, again, is just more proof positive that, um, do you know what's going on in your kid's school? That should be the first question. Do you know what's going on in your kid's school? Um, educators should never be required to deceive parents about information pertaining to their children's mental health. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Not only is this a violation of parents' rights, it's also a violation of teachers' freedom of speech and religion. Further, children should not be left on their own to navigate difficult issues such as gender dysphoria. The Alaska Family Council received an email, which is outlined below in this article in the Alaska Watchman, directly from a teacher within the Anchorage School District who wishes to remain anonymous. The email is from a school counselor to the other teachers regarding a 12-year-old child. This is what the email reads. Student filled out the Title IX form with me today, and then they use euphemisms here instead of actual names, so just so you know. New name likes to be called new name in school, but new name goes by old name at home. New name uses the pronouns they. Also, new name prefers to use the nurse's office rather than the girl's bathroom. When contacting home, please refer to new name last name as old name last name. Use their birth name because new name has not told their parents about their gender choices yet. We won't add new name's nickname on cue yet until new name's approval. Thank you for your understanding and taking care of our students. Now, this is supposedly in direct contravention of what the district has said that they are going to do, which is include parents in the loop on all this kind of stuff. This is kind of some very conspiratorial kind of stuff that's going on here. Um, 
policies that force teachers to keep parents in the dark when it comes to students' intention to change genders and socially transition in school are being challenged and shut down in court. But this is just another example of why would you, why, why would you, this is actively, this is actively uh, deceiving and inveigling the parents. When teachers are asking other teachers uh, or counselors are asking other teachers to use the student's preferred pronouns or chosen name during the school, but when speaking with parents, you need to use their biological pronouns or legal names, you're creating an adversarial relationship between the two. You are, you are immediately creating an area of distrust, and quite honestly, you are cutting the parents out of their legal obligation for their children. And I mean, if I'll be honest, I've never had kids in public school. I mean, in the non-homeschool environment. Okay, so I know that this is many of you probably roll your eyes when I get to this point. But I just got to say that if I am if I had my kids in a school like this, let's just say for let's just say for uh, analogy's sake that I had sent my kids to the local public school. If I saw a letter like this, if I read this story in the Alaska Watchman, where the teachers and the counselors and everybody else, if they are being encouraged to actively deceive me as a parent, that, and that's, what the, that's what's happening here. They are encouraging the teachers to actively deceive the parent of this student. If that's what I was being asked to do, if that's if that's what I see that they are being asked to do, I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I would just immediately pull my kids out of school because if they are actively deceiving me about that, what else are they being active? You know what what else are they being deceptive about? What else is going on here that I don't know about because I don't need to know as a parent? What are the things are they being taught that I don't know about or shouldn't know about? I mean, I hate to keep be kicking a dead horse. Who am I kidding? I love to kick a dead horse. Who, 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 who in their right mind would actively be okay with allowing their children to go to a facility where the people who are operating and running the facility are actively trying to deceive you because they know better than you how your child should be raised. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the implication here, right? Well, don't tell mom and dad because mom and dad, they just wouldn't understand. Little Johnny or Janie, she knows what she wants. And you know what? We want her to make those or him or he or they to make those choices. And so we're going to actively conceal this from the parent. What parent in their right mind would leave their child in that situation? I mean... I'm asking for a friend. Now, all the leftist parents, they don't care because they're probably actively encouraging Johnny and Janie to get a sex change at home. Right? I mean, that's their thing. 
Oh, Johnny, you want to wear dresses? That's fine. Oh, Janie, you want to, you know, beat up the boys? That's fine. Whatever it is that, you know, oh, that's great. Who are they actively working against in this scenario? Traditional conservative family units. That's what they're working against in this scenario. Because the progressive family units, the, you know, the two moms, two dads, three moms and two dads, whatever it is. I mean, whatever. They're all about this. They're like, fine. Oh, Johnny wants to be Janie. That's fine. They encourage that at home. Oh, they'll tell mom and dad about that. No problem, because they're all on the same team. Who are they actively working against here? Traditional families. That's who they're working against. If you haven't figured that out yet, check up, neck up. That's what you need. Uh, let's go over to the uh, phones here to see what you have to say. 907-433-3150. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hey, good morning, Mike. It's Lee out of Denali. Hello, Lee. Long time no here. My, hello, Lee. Long time no here, my friend. What's going on in your world? Well, you know how it is, uh, the coin of phrase, when you're in prison, it's uh, kind of hard to break out and uh, let everybody know what's going on. I say that in pun because, quite honestly, there's a lot of folks out here busy uh, with handling inflation and those types of things that you so eloquently talk about. But this morning, when you made mention of how the school system are, are keeping secrets from parents and how they're using various types of pronouns not in the presence of the parents uh, to address the children and uh, using the so-called desires of the child in the school system while actually referring to the child differently in the presence of the parents. This goes to show that a system, and in this case, I do mean our Alaska education system, uh, is off the rails with regard to what would be considered norms or what were once norms in this state. And you have to ask yourself, where did that push come from? How did we get to this point where a school system, regardless of where it's at in the state, is allowed to do that? And I would go back to one of the things you said about the freedom of speech of teachers. I do believe that everybody kind of forgets that the teachers are employees of a public service. And as employees, they should be limited on what they can do and when they can do it when they are in the service of an entity paying the bills, namely their salary, because their freedom of expression, while personal to them, is not a freedom of expression that I, as a taxpayer, am paying to receive. It's supposed to stick to the approved agendas, the approved curriculum that each school board openly debates and then adopts as part of their conversation with the representative superintendent for the district. And when we obfuscate that responsibility, the obligation to the children to make sure they're getting an education and not an indoctrination into the political, whimsical nature of today's politicians and activists. Whenever we do that, then we are failing our children because we are not keeping them in line with a proper educational format. And that means teaching them the basics, the reading, the writing, the arithmetic, the ability to communicate, the ability to have critical thinking so that they can actually question openly when these types of things are placed upon them and not be afraid to do so. Yeah, it's almost like they intentionally are not teaching the triumvirate of, you know, logic, rhetoric, and reason 
or reading, writing, and arithmetic so that these kids can reason out for themselves that they're being manipulated. You know what I mean? I mean, I had figured it out in high school that there were agendas. Some teachers had agendas already. Uh, I had figured that out in high school, uh, early day, early days of high school already, uh, and I was still pretty young, whatever that would be, 14, 13, 14 years old. And uh, and and maybe that's what they're talking about. Although I think that in this article, when they talk about this free speech of the teachers, the, this is the free speech where teachers want to tell. I think the implication was there were teachers that wanted to tell the story, but can do it only by remaining anonymous so they don't get smacked back on in showing and uncovering some of these Machiavellian behaviors by the school districts. Well, Michael, this goes back to who is in charge of the teachers that are dissenting and what is their policy and practice and how are these teachers that are trying to do the right thing being abused because they are and how are they having their careers uh, nixed or manipulated in a wrong way or they're being sanctioned in some way, shape, form or fashion because that too is occurring. And it ultimately comes down to who is their representative union member, because let's face facts, in this state, when you have unionized educators, you're going to have somebody that is uh, carrying the the so-called party line. Yeah, absolutely. Lee, hold the line for just a second. Folks, we are out of time for this segment. we got more coming up. The Michael Duke Show. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Sorry about that, Lee. I was up against the break, and I had to uh, I had to jump to it. But I think you're 100% right, my friend. Um, and again, why anybody would not – any parent who is worth their salt, that loves their children and cares about their children and doesn't read into this story a little bit more than what just the words say, to understand the broader picture of knowing that they have teachers who are actively deceiving them about what their children are doing in the school – um, that, that should be absolutely chilling to any parent out there, Lee. Yes, sir. I agree with you completely. And I got to tell you that there are very, there are very highlighted spots in this state where we are having successes, where people are bucking the, the so-called system, where they're being directed to do things a certain way that is not always in compliance with the desires of the parents their rights, I might say, because those are parental rights to be informed as to what is happening with their children when in the care of a public entity, namely the school system, where the care is entrusted to an agent of the government, because that's what they are. And we pay for that. We all pay for that. So we need to demand a return for our monies. And most importantly, we need to refute and refuse any inappropriate, illegal, or misguided attempt to indoctrinate our children in something that is not a policy and practice of the population of this country as a whole. And uh, right now there's a lot of folks that are dead set against this type of indoctrination, and they should be because it's absolutely wrong. Yeah, no, uh, I totally agree. It is totally wrong, and quite honestly, it means that – you know, there it's like they're actively trying to force people out of the school at this point. Which again, 
I think should be the answer. I think parents should be pulling their kids out of these schools. Uh, as a, Like I said, if I had been a parent with a kid in the school and I read this article and I read between the lines of the actual ramifications of this, that they were actively telling other teachers to deceive and to withhold information about my child, oh, man, that kid would be out of there so fast their heads would spin. Um, but some people are just still, I mean, they're, yep. they're, they're caught, they're mollified by the fact that they have a glorified babysitter every day, that it is hard. It's not, you know, it's not impossible, but it is a challenge sometimes to homeschool your kids or to take your kids to other things, or maybe it's a financial hardship to put your kids in a private school or do something like that. There are, t- but those are choices that you have to make for your children. Uh, and if you don't, then maybe you don't really care about your kids as much as you say or think you do. Michael, just as a plug for the teachers that are doing it right, uh, we need to embrace these professional people because they are under the gun from many of their peer members that try to undermine their efforts on a daily basis. And a lot of it's sublime, and it sounds, as you said, Machiavellian, but it's also where you've got Shvengalis that literally are out in the open and they do everything they can to try and undermine the reputation of the people that are trying to do right by the children and the parents and the school system all right. at the same time. And we need to embrace and recognize those folks that are doing so because they are outstanding educators, they are outstanding patriots, and they are truly servants of the people in their own right because they have our most precious resource in their care on a daily basis. And again, I'm a big champion of homeschooling, but let's face facts, nowadays there's a lot of inflationary pressures that are forcing both parents to have jobs, ergo the kids are placed into the system that we have. Not optimal, but it's what we have, and until we get a better one, we need to try and scrutinize it very carefully and make sure we're recognizing those people doing right and ostracizing those people that are bound and determined to undermine parental rights, undermine the system as we know it, and in so doing, they're undermining our society. Yeah. Because the last time I checked, the kids don't get to decide how everything goes based on a whimsical notion. Right. Their rights, their desires need to be heard, and they need to be protected in their own right. But again, the kids do not get to determine every single thing that happens in a legal school system where the parents have legal rights, legal obligations, and of course, they're also taxed to pay for all of it (laughs) one way, shape, or fashion. Yeah, well, that's you, what I yeah. want to leave you with, my friend. Thank you, Thank Lee. you again very much for carrying the banner because you do it well. All right. Well, I appreciate it, my friend. If I was more of a conspiracy theorist, I'd believe that almost all of this was put together for a specific reason. That we 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 created a we created a society where both parents are meant to work so that they can't stay home to take care of their kids, so that they become more dependent dependent by putting the kids in the school system and thereby becoming more dependent on the government, and then the government has access to those children to fold, spindle, man- manipulate them, and their little minds full of mush. I mean, if I was a more conspiratorial guy, I'd think maybe that was what was going on.
The Michael Duke Show. Not your daddy. Wait, sorry. Not your daddy? Ooh, not your daddy's talk radio. <laughs> Whew, I was scared for a second. Thought we were going down. Here's Michael Dukes and the show. Well, that was a fantastic call with Lee, which continued on into the commercial break. Uh, if you want to catch the rest of it, you can go back to the podcast, which is available on Spotify. If you want to go subscribe on Spotify, you'll get downloads every day as we upload those uh, as we upload those to the uh, uh, to the service every day. You can get that uh, podcast straight to your phone each and every day. Um, <clears throat> Donna says school administrators should be held accountable if students have mental health issues and they do not inform the parents, uh, which to which I say, absolutely. If you are actively deceiving the parents, that is um, that's on you. You know, here's the interesting thing. They don't want parental rights. They don't they don't want parental rights. Um, when they want, you know, when we're talking about things like gender or something like this or something else. But if Johnny comes to school and tears the place up and, and hurts a bunch of people or something like that, then all of a sudden they want to look at the parents and like, well, what did you do? What did you do? They're all about parental rights in one form, but not about things that they, they being the amorphous they, the more progressive side of the scale that they are interested in. And I think Terry hits it in a nutshell here. Terry says, 12-year-olds don't even know what they want to eat for breakfast, let alone what sex they want to be. I mean, that if he, you've seen the videos, right? I mean, you've seen, uh, uh, you know, this is not necessarily having to do with, uh, uh, with education or schooling, but you've seen the videos. I just saw a new one last week where a guy's running around with a microphone asking women, uh, these ladies, it's not just specifically women that I'm talking about, but in this case, there was like five ladies that he asked this question to. And he said something like, um, you know, should a should a teenage child or a, a, should a should a, I can't remember if he had an I think he had an age on it. Should an 11 year old or whatever, should they be able to go get a tattoo without their parents, without their parents permission? And they were like. Oh, no, no, you shouldn't be able to get a tattoo. You know, that's, you know, well, that's permanent. You can't, you know, or, or it'd be very difficult to, you know, remove. Or, or, And then he asked the second question, well, should they be able to choose their sex or take hormone blockers or, you know, do something like that? And then half of them were like, well, yeah, wait a second. And one lady finally went, huh, that's an interesting uh, I mean, she like you could see the light bulb moment in her eyes when she was like, yes. And then she went, well, wait a second. I just said that they shouldn't be able to get a tattoo because that's permanent and life altering. But now you're and it, she you could see the, the, the machinations that are a lot of times people are just, you know, they're not thinking things all the way through. They're like, oh, people ought to just be free. They ought to just be able to do what they want. And kids ought to be able to be free. This is a hangover, by the way, from that whole permissive parenting thing where hippies got totally upset about uh, their parents spanking them or putting boundaries on them. And so they they declared that they are never going to do anything like that with their children. They're never going to put boundaries on them. And of course, they raised absolute hellions who then went on to become adults to do this kind of crap. That's what's going on. Um, 
But, I mean, you see it all the time. In their minds, they're like, oh, of course, you know, you shouldn't have a tattoo. But, oh, a sex change at 12? Yes, you should have a sex change at 12. And you're just like, wait a second. That doesn't make any sense. That doesn't make any sense at all. Why would why would you? And again, why would you continue to send your kids to school? The old the old axiom is don't be surprised when you send your kids to Rome and they come back as Romans. Right. And I used to say that in regards to things like college, like your kids were, you know, your kids were your kids. They were good. They had your same conservative values. Uh, They believed in the same things that you believed. Now, all kids kind of change as they get older. We understand that. But this dramatic change, if you send them off to one year of college and they come back and they're completely like pod people, like, where is my son or daughter? They are you are not my son or daughter. What happened? Why do you willingly sacrifice your children on the altar of, you know, this this progressive ideal? Why do you do that? Because, well, all kids have got to go to college. Do they really? Do they really? How about if they show an interest in some kind of trade, you send them to a trade school? How about if they have an interest in being an entrepreneur, you help foster that instead? How about you do? Why do they have to go to college? Well, because everybody has to go to college. Why? College is great for engineers, for doctors, for lawyers, for specialists, when you have to go in there and do this. But other than that, why are you sending all your kids? Why are you indebting them up to a quarter of a million dollars for a basic school? Why are you know why are you doing that? Why? I mean, and again. This goes, forget about college, just go roll back to K-12. Why are you sending your kids to a school where they are absolutely, positively, actively lying to you about what's going on with your children? Why are you okay with that? Why are you complicit in that? That's the biggest question. Because if you do this... If you allow this, if you keep sending your kid back to that, then you're complicit in it. And I would argue, oh, this is going to piss some people off out there. I would argue that you apparently don't care enough about your children to think about what's good for them in the long term. Because what's good for them in the long term may be bad for you in the short term. You may have to invest some money, some time, some effort, some energy into homeschooling your kids or to finding a, a learning pod or to a charter school or to a private school or something. There may be some effort required on your part outside of what you're doing right now. But they're your children. I mean, I would, I would die for my children. What's a few extra hours a week of work to raise a little extra money? What's a little extra time spent with them talking about binomials and uh, and numerators and and grammar and what's a what's a little what's a little time? What is that compared to my children? I'm just asking. I got about 90 seconds here, and I got a new phone call on hold. Let's see if we can do it quickly. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? 
Hey, Michael, this is David David Boyle calling from New Mexico today because my daughter's expecting, and that's why we're down here. Oh, hey, David. Uh, In, anyway, I'm calling about your discussion. Go ahead. No, quickly, I, I, I might hold you over to the news, but go ahead quickly. you got about 35 seconds. Well, parents need to know that they have rights under FERPA, the Federal, Federal Education uh, Records Protection Act for, for students in public schools. And by the way, every school is required to notify parents of their rights every year under FERPA. And under those rights, a parent has the right to inspect all their children's educational records, to include the records, let's say, on gender identity and transgender, because guess what? They're school records. Right, so right. That, that's the bottom line. You have the rights to do that. The only thing they're going oh, to All right, hold on, David. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to come back to you. Don't go anywhere. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. We'll also, I think, hear from Mike Shower in hour two. David, I'm going to put you back on hold here for just a second. I, I, I hate it when I have to rush you like that. So I'm going to put you back on hold, and we're going to come to this. Uh, I hadn't heard back from Shower. I sent him an email and a text, so I'm hoping that he's going to come in. But if not... We'll, uh, we'll continue. We're going to continue with you on the other side, regardless, my, uh, 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 David, and then we'll go to Mike if Mike shows up. So we'll, we'll do that. All right. I'm way behind on the comments here. Um, um, <laughs> Anthony says making the frogs gay, man, they've stepped up the game and started gender bending all the kids. Never mind the damn fabulous frogs. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, uh, it seems like, uh, it seems like pay now or pay later, because if you're a parent that chooses to turn a blind eye to what the activists disguise as educators are doing to their kids, they will pay dearly for it for years to come, says Richard. That's exactly what I'm trying to say, Richard. You will lose your children's hearts and minds because you outsourced that to a government entity. That's exactly what it is. Tawny says they are approving and teaching deception and lying. That is supporting the degradation of society. After all, where is the line between their behavior and corruption? Let's talk about ethics with this behavior. Yeah. Well, again, what does this all boil down to more than anything else? This boils down to one thing, that they believe that they know better than you how to raise your children. That because you are backwards in your ways and don't understand how gender dysmorphia and and all these other kind of stuff because you don't believe in that or don't think all that stuff works you just don't know you just don't know so they are smarter than you when it comes to your own children and they will actively deceive you to keep you out of the sit out of the process and out of the situation uh i suppose i should post this uh story up in the chat room so you guys can view it for yourself and make your own decisions on it um okay um all of it's by design richard said when i said i'm a, if i was a little bit more of a conspiracy theorist this is what i would believe all of it's by design they want to keep everyone working two or three jobs to survive keep us treading water and so busy doing so that we don't have time or headspace to steer our lives from their control uh, you know, um, get involved with the local school board, attend TGE, uh, 
TGE meetings, visit your school, go to parent-teacher conferences. We should be doing all those things. Why are we not? I mean, this is part of the problem. We talked about this last week a little bit, but this is part of the problem. Local school boards used to be made up of parents, used to be made up of working parents who were helping to make decisions for their students. But look at, look at school boards now. They're full of education industry uh, uh, professionals. The educational industrial complex, to quote, to, to misquote Eisenhower, the education industrial complex has a foothold in the school boards. It's all ex-teachers, ex-principals, ex-union officials or current union officials or current teachers or, you know, there. I mean, how many are just parents, just mom? In Fairbanks, you got what? You got Melissa Burnett. She's the only one that's just a mom. That's what she does. She's just a mom. Everybody else is a education professional in some form or another, and they are steering the ship. They are benefiting their own causes. Donna says, no different than if a child is hurting themselves or throwing up their lunch in the bathroom. Parents are responsible, but school officials should not have a policy to hide these issues from parents. What if the kids are taking other harmful drugs? Well, then they would call the parents because that's obviously the parents' fault. But if they wanted to take drugs while they were bending their gender, well, that we shouldn't do that. <sighs> um, good morning, good morning, good morning. Rule of thumb, if you believe in Santa Claus, the Easter Bunny, the Boogeyman, you probably shouldn't be left in charge of deciding whether to mutilate your genitals. You're not wrong. I mean, that's an interesting way to put it. It's a funny way to put it, but it's true. Sad, but true. Um, people as a whole are stupid and bury their heads in the sand. The human population as a whole are parasites. People in mass are sheep. Individuals are great, Bill. But people in mass are sheep. Um, uh, okay, homeschooling is so worth it. My kindergarten is reading at second grade level and is already multiplying numbers, says Tyler. Yeah. Every one of my kids was reading at multiple levels above their grade level. All of my kids, when they went into high school, we're reading at college level. Now, you may think, what does that mean, reading at college level? Their reading comprehension and everything else was at college level. And you don't understand how important that is to the in the long term. You just don't you just don't understand how important that is. Um uh, let's see. My granddaughter came home saying a friend got mad at her for not referring to her as they or them. I asked if there was more than one of her. My granddaughter just stared at me, then figured out I was talking about language. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. All right. Um, yeah. Teresa says, she says, they're planning to scuttle the ship, in my humble opinion. I don't know what that means, Teresa. If you want to explain that to me or if you want to call in and talk to me about that, I'm, I mean, I don't know exactly when you're saying scuttling the shit. I don't know. Are you talking about I, – I don't know. Maybe extrapolate on that a bit for me. 
All right, hour two is dead ahead. We're about to jump into it. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense Radio. David's up next. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Yep, live around the world on the internet at MichaelDukeShow.com and uh, around the state of Alaska on this your favorite radio station and or FM translator. It is hour two of the big radio show. And uh, so far, Mike Shower is not with us. Uh, I'm not 100% sure he's going to be joining us today. I don't... Anyway, I'm not sure he's going to be here. He may be flying somewhere. So uh, he's got the information. If he joins us, we'll bring him on the program. Meanwhile, we're going back to the telephones because David was on the line and he was talking about something that I think every parent should be listening to right now. If you have your kids in school, this is something that's important. He was talking about something called PERPA. And so we'll start again with what he was saying, because for those of you just joining us, and I apologize, I've been we've been hot and heavy at this first hour. We've been talking about this news story out of the Alaska Watchman, where an Anchorage school teacher emailed the Alaska Family Council a direct email that she'd received from a counselor in the school, which basically told teachers not to use the biological name of the student, but use their new gender name in school. But if they were talking to the parents, make sure that you use their birth name and their birth gender. Don't 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 tell the parents about their gender choices. Deceiving, actively deceiving the parents as to what's going on with their child. And I was losing my mind over that because you have to decide for yourself if you want to send your kids to a place where they are actively deceiving you on the choices your children are making. Um, Anyway, David called in to say there is a way to find out more about this, and it's called FERPA, so we'll have him start again and get the story. David Boyle calling in this morning. Good morning, David. Sorry about that. Let's get started again on this. Uh, good morning, Michael. Um, by the way, like I said, I'm calling from New Mexico because my daughter's expecting a baby in about a week, and that's why my wife and her dad. Hey, we won't. Down here. We won't um, hold it. We won't hold it against dead. you. I, you know, but well, I'm getting a lot of feedback. Well, by the I, way, uh, it, it's not a requirement for teachers to hide uh, a student's transgenderism or gender ID pronouns, etc., from a parent or legal guardian. These are transgender guidelines only. They're not directives to a teacher. So a teacher and a staff member can resist these guidelines because they're not directive and they're not binding on the staff. 
Um, and the reason for that is that, that the guidelines and not regulations or policies by the school board is because, guess what? The school board did not want to vote on these transgender guidelines that are now just guidelines because they didn't want to expose themselves to the general public and the fact that uh, these, these transgender guidelines the Anchorage School District has may not have passed the school board as a direct policy and then be right. implemented as a regulation by the district itself. But anyway, there is, a legal, there is a federal law, and we don't like a lot of federal laws, but this is a good one. It's called the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. And the int overall intent of that federal law is to protect a student's records from being disclosed to other than authorized persons. But in this law, which, by the way, every school and school district is required to provide notice annually to parents or legal guardians of, the, of their rights under the Family Education Rights and Privacy Act, which is called F FERPA, F-E-R-P-A for short. So, you know, I don't, I actually, I don't believe parents are being notified by, by the schools or the districts for the most part in Alaska of their rights under this federal law. Uh, they have to tell them you, you have the parent has the right to inspect and review their child's education records, the right to change these records, and the right to disclose these records to somebody other than an authorized uh, individual slash group. Um, and it, it, there, there's no uh, penalty actually that I can see in the federal law for not doing this. However, if a parent thinks that their child is let's say being a trans going to be a transgender and wants to use let's say different pronouns in the school versus those at home and the school district is implementing that behind the scenes and behind the parents knowledge or without the parents knowledge then my suggestion is for that particular parent to take that FERPA law and actually sue the school slash school district because as you, you and I both know the only thing that a school district understands is money and you could sue them for $50,000 if this has occurred, and I guarantee you they'd settle out of court. Well, I will say that this is, you know, it's disturbing that they're not following the law. I mean, there's no penalties, so apparently they feel like they can get away with not uh, demanding it. So this, so what you're saying is that every year a parent can go in at any time, I'm assuming, or is it once a year at a specific time, they can go in and request all the records pertaining to their child? Or is this at any time I can go in and say, I'd like to see all the messages and information and correspondence and anything to do with my child? Uh, the, the federal law doesn't specify any time at all, so a parent can go in at any time. Of course, you, <laughs> the, the problem here is, um, are they going to hide some records from the parents? Now, that, is, that, that, would, be, uh, <laughs> that would be a federal uh, offense under this law, to hide a student, student's records from a, from a parent or legal guardian. So, I, you, know, to, 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 you know, you have to be considerate and all, and so I'd notify the school district or school that... Uh, I, I want to come in and look at my students' records, and I'll be there this afternoon. Let's say it's the morning. Um, so they can't, uh, let's say, shred the records or hide specific records from a parent-slash-legal-guardian. Right. Now, a school doesn't have to individually notify parents of their rights under FERPA. They can actually, this is the interesting part, um, they can put it in a school activities calendar, a newsletter, or a student handbook, or on the, on the actual website. Uh, 
it probably I would think in the student handbook in the Anchorage School District, but I'm not positive about that. So they can notify parents as a whole just by putting it uh, in in a publication or on a calendar or in a well newsletter would be okay because every parent's going to hopefully read the newsletter when they receive it. But they don't have to notify parents as an individual, which I think they should, like at the beginning of the year, school year, send out an email to every parent and or put it right there in the front page of their web page, not hidden down six clicks down so you can never find it. Right. Now, this sounds like an excellent tool for people who are concerned about what's going on with their children to reach in there and figure out what the what is being said, what their records say and everything else. And as you said, if they later on discover that they that there was not disclosure, that they that there was information and that this that the school district or the teachers were intentionally hiding information about their children, that's a whole nother ball of wax right there. I guarantee you that's a whole nother deal right there, David. Uh, what do you say to my assertion? Now, you've been – David Boyle, by the way, is who we're talking to. He's an education um, um, uh, advocate uh, in the uh, in the Anchorage area and has been for many years. What do you say – because I'm, <clears throat> I was pretty harsh a little earlier when I said basically, if you are, if you don't, see, if you don't read into this story and see what they're saying and see what they're not saying, which is essentially, we're going to lie to you if we feel it's good for the for your child. Um, what what's your reaction to my comment that basically people should be ripping their kids out of school so fast their head would spin? What's your take on that, David? Well. I agree with you. If if that's at all possible, um, let let's put yourself in the position of a you know I'm I'm not an advocate of public uh, schools at all. Uh, I'm ag- I'm an advocate advocate for great education, regardless of if it's a public school, private school, or home school, etc. If you put yourself in the position of a single parent, let's a single parent with one child, and they're actually working a job, I want them to work the job and. What is? How are they going to get their their child into? Let's say they're low income, low income job. Get their child into even one of these learning pods that are really great. And Anchorage has several of them. Lee Sloan uh, has got one going in Anchorage with about 20 students. Um, it's really difficult. And I know the child is number one. Now, my take is, hey, let's let the grandparents or the relatives take care of that child and and homeschool them. And that's part of their responsibility, I believe, as a family, uh, an overall family unit. But um, there are going to be exceptions, and those exceptions are going to be very difficult to uh, uh, help out. Um, but guess what? There are other parents probably in, in, the, in that neighborhood that could start a, a, a homeschool learning pod. And as you know, most homeschool students go to school for two to three hours a day and on their core subject matter, and that's it. Right. Well, and this is this is here's my point. Here's my point, David. Here's my point. Even to the parent who's a single parent, because I have spoken with several single parents over the last two and a half, three years since COVID started, who have decided, made the hard choice to pull their kids out of school. Single parent, working, working mom with a couple of kids. And, uh, you know, is able to have the daycare for their kids or, or you know, uh, child care for their kids during the day and then comes home and sits down. And like you said, for those two hours a night or three hours a night and sometimes on the weekend, they go through and they work their way through the core subject matter. And they said it's been difficult, absolutely been difficult 
but worth it in the long run. Because again, it doesn't take an eight-hour day to teach a kid. You can do it in a couple hours. I mean, you just mentioned that. I've talked about it. Um, It can be done. And I've talked to parents uh, this weekend. I was talking with somebody who has both mom and dad working, and they're doing exactly the same thing. At the end of the workday, they come home to their uh, their tweens and their early teens uh, kids, and they sit down and for a couple hours a night they work on it, and then on the weekends they work on it, and they get it all done, and their kids are much happier uh, because, first of all, school doesn't take all day and they could pursue other interests, and second of all, because they've taken that into their own hands. Is it easy? No, absolutely not, but is is it worth it? That's the question. And yes, there will be exceptions. There will be people, single parents with no immediate family, with no anything else. But as I said, I've talked to some of them who decided to take the plunge and they're so happy that they did. It can be done. Um, So I just think that at this point, in my opinion, there are no excuses at that point. David, I'll give you the final word. Well, I, I tend to agree with you, and um, I'll, I'll tell you a little story. Uh, <clears throat> my one daughter's a single parent, and she lives in Bush, Alaska. Loves her job, and, and, and you know, she tried to homeschool her daughter and had a tremendously difficult time. I tried to hook her up with uh, the IDEA correspondence program, and, and she, she didn't uh, take my uh, recommendation, unfortunately. But so what uh, my, my wife and I decided to do, there's a private school there, and we pay for her to go to a, a private school, and she's she's doing very well. She's she's catching up. She'll finally be probably reading at grade level next year or this year. And um, so it's a generational family thing. If 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 the single parent out there has has grandparents, and that are that are you know locally, let's say in Alaska, then I think those grandparents can do the most important thing they can ever do for one of their grandchildren is to help them with their education be it, and put them in a, either homeschool or put them in a private school. Right. And that, that's a good solution. It's more important to me than moose hunting and fishing, and I know a lot of listeners will think that's anathema to them, but, but it is. It's the yeah. future of our country. And right now, as you know, Michael, we are seeing on the college campuses today and in the streets of this country what has happened, the, the results and the benefits of our public education system in this nation. Yeah. And it Absolutely. is the most important thing, and that's I've been working on it since about 2008. Yeah, no, absolutely. All right, David. Well, thank you so much for your call. Thanks for holding on uh, through the break with us and everything. I appreciate it. Uh, appreciate your input on this. Thanks for calling in. Thank you, Michael. All right, folks. We are up against the break. We got more to discuss. Um, I see Barbara Haney's in the chat room. Maybe we'll get Barbara to call in and talk with us about this borough subdivision and private property issue that went through the borough assembly in Fairbanks last week. I think everybody in the state can learn from the whole private property issue. So we'll see if we can get Barbara to call in and talk with us about that. And more. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We will continue with more here in just a moment. Don't go anywhere. Back with more right after this. Running on 100% pure beard power. Oh, also some coffee. We dip our beard in coffee. Ha, <laughs> nice beard. The Michael Duke Show. 
Okay. <clears throat> we are in the break right now. Uh, um, Barbara, if you're still in the chat room, you can call. Uh, you can call my cell, and we will talk about the uh, private property and the sub subdivision thing. Subdivision, subdivision thing. Um, <clears throat> I told my child's teacher I'm seriously considering homeschooling. He told me it would be a huge mistake. Well, sure. You know, lunatics have got keys to the asylum, and you're saying, I think it'd be a good idea if you gave me back those keys. And they said, no, that'd be a huge mistake. <laughs> I mean, you're surprised at that point? Question mark? Um... Timothy said online school for elementary students during COVID was 45 minutes long. A day? Good God. <laughs> Good Lord. Uh, when I was a Bush Island homesteader, uh, the book by a pediatrician, The Suddenly Isle Child, was almost my second Bible. The author in the interest said emphatically, the child is not a miniature version of the adult psychologically or any other way. No, they don't have they don't have the experience, the life experience or anything else to be able to make those those decisions. It's I mean. Yeah, it's it's insane. Um, all right. I see we got somebody on hold. Let's go over to the call and see if we can figure out who this is and we'll take their call on the other side. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Good morning, Barbara Haney. Hey, Barbara. Okay. All right. Let me, uh, Barbara. Uh, okay. I'm going to put you back on hold, Barbara, and we will talk about the stuff here in just sure. a moment. Okay. So hold the line. I'm going to put Barbara back on hold, and we will uh, come back to this here in just a minute. Um, <clears throat> uh, point being, Timothy says, in regards to his COVID 45-minute long schooling session, he said, point being, if it takes public educators 45 minutes a day, you could homeschool three hours a day yourself. Yes, absolutely. And if you've got programs and some of the homeschool curriculums like we did with IDEA, it makes it so much easier because it walks through some of that stuff when you're doing online courses and, you know, uh, you know, math made simple and uh, time for learning and some of these other things. There's plenty of information. Right there. I mean, you just got basically have to supervise. You could be sitting in the same room while they're working on the computer trying to figure this stuff out. Come over and help them. Do whatever. This could be done at their own pace. Most of this stuff can be done by kids on their own. You just have to come back and check their work. That's what we did for a lot of it. Once they reach a certain age, you know, you basically say, okay, you get up, you start to work. Here's your computer. You go to work on it. You get it done. I come back and check on you a couple times throughout the day. I answer any questions that it has. This is not rocket surgery, folks. Um, if you're planning on homeschooling or already are, remember, you can enroll in any district. I live in Fairbanks, but my kids, soon-to-be kids, uh, are enrolled in the Chugach district, says Tyler. Yeah. And you've got specialty programs like IDEA, Raven, Cyberlinks, many of those. IDEA was great because IDEA had um, contact teachers where if we had a problem, if there was something that I didn't understand or Terry didn't understand or something we weren't able to do, then uh, we'd call the contact teacher and the teacher would get online with the kid and start talking about it and figuring it out. I mean, what you know, that's the thing. 
Yeah, idea is great. Idea, we were we were one of the charter families with Idea. One of the first we our kids our oldest daughter was in the first class with Idea and was in the first graduating class with Idea. She started out as a as a kindergartner and was in that first that first year and it's been awesome. Absolutely awesome. All five kids have gone through Idea. All right, we got to jump back into it. Uh, Barbara's on the line. We're going to talk. I guess we're going to switch gears. I've probably beat this horse enough. The horse is dead, sir. You may dismount. Um, We will now talk about private property rights and subdivisions and things like that going on up in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. How about that? All right, let's go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. All right, welcome back to the program. The Michael Duke Show, continuing in hour two. Joining us on the phone right now is Barbara Haney, who is a Fairbanks North Star Borough Assemblywoman, uh, and she wants to give us the rundown of what happened up in Fairbanks here uh, this last Thursday. They, uh, you know, they're kind of on the lame duck session of the assembly with the last few uh, conservative members. Uh, so we're going to talk about a uh, the bill on subdivisions and private property, and also maybe we'll get an update from her on the election bill. I know they were trying to get the elections moved to November, the municipal elections, and I think that that failed, but we'll get a rundown from her on that as well as she joins us right now. Good morning, Barbara. Good morning. Hello, uh, Idea Charter family parent here. Yeah. So I remember those days that first year. Yeah, that first year was a learning experience, but we were all learning together, but it was great. I mean, we, and and it just got better from there for it sure. Was. Yeah. So Barbara, I guess first and foremost, let's talk about the, um, the election bill, uh, which I had hopes that maybe it would move forward and that would be aligning all the municipal elections with the national elections like they did down here in the Matsu. Uh, where they moved it to the uh, the the right. the Tuesday of November, uh, give us the rundown here as to what happened uh, with that before we move on to the private property issue. Well, that measure failed. We needed five votes, and we had four. Uh, what ended up happening? Uh, Aaron Lodeski had request put a made a motion to change the effective date from 2023 to 2024. And the net result of that would have been that this next election would be in, would not be in November, and it wouldn't take effect until, obviously, the subsequent year. And that would have given the new assembly an opportunity to repeal it. So uh, we voted against uh, that effective date change. And uh, so the measure failed because Mr. Lojewski voted to, uh, with the other with the more aggressive members of the assembly. I thought Mr. Lajowski was supposed to be one, nope. of the, one of the conservative voices on the assembly. I'm a little confused by that. Uh, what was his, what was his argument as to why he well, wanted to move it to the 2024 instead of 2023? 
I have no idea. So he had no argument. He just made he just made the he just but made the motion, and there you and there you go. Wait me. Yeah, you you have to have Mr. Lajewski speak for himself because um, whatever arguments he had, it was not persuasive to me. Okay. All right. Well. All right. Well, let's uh, let's That's talk about yeah. Let's talk about the uh, private property issue in the subdivision. So first, give us a little backstory here, Barb, on what um, on what was going on, and what was the what was the basis here, and then what the legislation was, and what the fix is, and and what happened. Um, so anyway, years ago, back go back even to territorial days. There were when I first became aware of this issue, I just thought it was one or two guys who had a had a personality thing going on with the borough attorney. And I'm just like, yeah, okay, uh, no, this you guys duke it out somewhere else. So, um, but the more I looked at it, I went, oh wait a minute, this is not one or two people with a with a conflict with the borough attorney. This is this is a much much bigger issue. And all of a sudden, when I started looking at the number of parcels. It was huge. It was like, wait a minute, half the borough was caught up in this. And I don't know if that's hyperbole, but there's over 10,000 parcels caught up in this issue. So this is a very, very big issue, much bigger than I, and I apologize to everybody out there because my original uh, introduction to this issue was, I just thought it was one or two people with a, that had a thing with the borough staff. I didn't realize how big this issue was or how long it had gone on. So in one couple of the cases that I went and I went back and looked at the deeds to see what was going on, people had bought land in the territorial days, and then they obviously oftentimes left the state. One one particular parcel in question, uh, the gal went back to Snoqualmie, and when she was in Snoqualmie, when her estate was settled, uh, a part of the land was sectioned off to settle some debts or to... Um, Another set went off to some heirs. Both of those lots were then sold even out of state. They came back here. Uh, people, you know, sold it, tried to subdivide it. The borough wouldn't let them because it was, quote, illegally subdivided, unquote. <coughs> it wasn't illegally subdivided. It was subdivided without going through the borough platting process. It was lawfully subdivided, not legally. If that makes sense. Lawful being the constitutional law, legal being the um, commercial code law. And then as I became aware of more and more of them, it was a lot of them like there was one case where some guy had been bought some land during the pipeline. He was a pipeline worker, I guess, and had some debts. And uh, part of it was subdivided to pay off his uh, bar debt. Another part was sold off deed by deed. Uh, for another reason. Then there was another case that I looked at where the the divorce court literally split the land in half um, by deed. Nobody had gone through the the borough planning process. Well, back, you know, before the 80s, uh, there was just a guy named Edgar Filio was the planning authority. And then there's um, a couple other folks who are still alive who were part of the planning authority. And I sat down and talked to them about what was the story what what was behind all this and it was honestly the court system that was telling people to divide their land, go 
go submit the deed, and they didn't go through the planning process. Well, now we're down three, four owners later, right? And people buy these lands, you know, the, the deed type, it clears the title search. Every, there's no deal breaker. They've got mortgage on it. And then they go to subdivide and uh, build, and maybe they want to subdivide it, you know, because they've got room for, you know, like they've got 20 acres. They want to get it down to like maybe 10 one-acre parcels. And lo and behold, they the planning board won't wouldn't hear their case because they had been subdivided. It, what they were saying was illegal, but it wasn't illegal. It was just not within the commercial code of the borough. So finally, well, um, and not just in the commercial, Barbara, not just in time. the not just in the commercial code, but it wasn't within the comprehensive plan, right? Because it wasn't necessarily about code, because probably a lot of this land was general use. It was more about it doesn't match the comprehensive plan. Is that is it? Am I my clarifying that correctly? Well, that was maybe part of it too, but an awful lot of these parcels, um, I don't think there was any dispute whether they should be developed or not. I think the question was that you just had a group of people who are anti-development that were using every tool in their tool bag to stop development. That's... You know, and this was a tool. That's crazy. All right, I'm and sorry, go so, ahead. So finally, what we did last Friday is anything that was, quote, illegally subdivided, unquote, prior to October 20th, uh, 2023, uh, there is a path forward that we have a special route through the planning process. And um, it does give the director of planning um, a little bit of discretion as to whether it should be a quick plat or a major plat. Um, we're hoping that the little simple cases, like there's two sisters who bought a parcel, of, they, I think they bought eight acres together or something like that, and they wanted to split it in half, four and four, so that their kids can inherit their respective properties. And um, I think the borough has been resisting on that, and I, hopefully that'll be a quick plat process. At any rate, the um, it gives people a path forward without, you know, as it is right now, there are people who are holding land. They've wanted to develop. They wanted to build houses. And it's and some of these parcels, by the way, are not very far from the urban core of Fairbanks. Um, one huge area is off Davis Road um, between Lathrop and um, Pegger. Right. Uh, there's a huge section that has largely been uh, what I call wild and undeveloped. It's not far from the city. It's a perfect place for military housing. There's developers there who want to develop it, and uh, they've got the land, they've got the cash to do it, and this illegal subdivision issue has been a problem. It infuriates me that you have to so, go, go back. The surveyors got together, uh, made recommendations. The surveyors in this community really did yeoman's work on this, and uh, they came together, all the surveying firms, and um, the mayor and Tammy Wilson, I had my own version that I had been working on with the surveyors. What finally passed was a kind of a compromise between the three versions. So, and it was a very big deal. <laughs> um, five years from now, when people look back, this will be probably the one most important thing that we've done as an assembly.
It infuriates me that uh, people who have their own property, who paid the government, the taxes every year, have done everything else, and in some cases own the property outright, are somehow being prevented or were being prevented by some bureaucratic committee um, being able to develop their property in a reasonable, lawful manner. When they had done everything else legally and lawfully, although not to the liking of the planning committee, this is part of my problem with government as a whole. When you've got a bunch of people in some committee who are deciding what's better to do with your property than anything else, especially when it comes to things like I despise the comp plan. I always have. Uh, I always think it's it was hubris that some people decide that they have some master plan as to how the borough should look. I think it should be more organic and that the market should decide what you know what is good and what is not. And uh, for these kind of things to go on is just absolutely infuriating. So I mean, congratulations to you guys. This is a great this is a great mm-hmm. milestone. And it's it was a big deal. And they the other boroughs. Uh, Anchorage, Matsu, Kenai, uh, probably Juno. I didn't. I just didn't look at Juno's code. Uh, they all handled this issue many years ago. So for us to finally take it on was a little bit late in the game, but we did, and so it's done. Uh, and that is a very big deal. Um, and if you, the comprehensive plan, there's uh, one of our last. Uh, things that we'll be doing as a as the conservative majority, I suppose, and I hope it passes. There has been an ordinance on private property rights that I've worked on. I obviously didn't get everything I wanted through the planning uh, committee, <clears throat> sadly. And but there was one thing everybody agreed that um, needed to happen, and that was the way that the borough communicates with landowners. And the one that's coming up on Thursday that, you know, I hope people support. And um, this is um, an or- it's a policy change where it requires the borough planning department, if they're going to do a takings or an easement, they have to notify the landowner in writing. Now, you would think that this would be an obvious thing. Right. But it's not. <laughs> they send these little purple postcards out. And people, it's like for the general public. Um, it's not for the landowner. There was um, a former assemblywoman named Natalie Howard who back earlier this year by accident went to a comprehensive road plan public meeting and was wandering around and all of a sudden noticed that the borough was putting a road through her property. And nobody had bothered to tell her. And I thought that was very minimally rude um, <laughs> and that they probably should have, before they had this big meeting, right. sent her a letter and talked with her. Right. Well, especially since Natalie Howard is the queen of grandfather property rights. She and I worked diligently when she was on the assembly with me uh-huh. to try and create property rights. That probably was like insult, right in, poker right in the eye. Yeah, that's kind of what I thought it was, too. Yeah. Uh, but um, I couldn't, you know, of course, have to go with what is there. And um, so one of the things that I'm making sure or I'm, I'm working toward, I hope other assembly members agree with me. I hope I can make the case and advocate properly. Um, I hope they will support um, 
this idea that the borough should at least send a letter. If yeah, you're, no, you're absolutely. Or an easement on a project before it goes into the comprehensive plan. Barbara, when does that come up? Is that this Thursday or next Thursday? That's this thir- this that's Thursday. This Thursday, the final meeting. Okay. All right. Well, Barbara Haney, thank you so much for coming on board and sharing with us. Uh, we'll see if we can get some more folks uh, out there this Thursday to help support that and some uh, and get some maybe some testimony in support of that. That just seems like the least they could do. If they're going to take your property through easement or something else, they should at least notify you in writing with a certified letter to say, oh, by the way, we're about to take some of your property. Um, that seems... That seems reasonable right. to me. You know what I mean? So, Barbara, thank you for coming well, on board. And especially if they've got a project, you know, they should. Yeah, no, especially if it's a big project, like you're saying, something like that. All right, well, we're out of time. Barbara, thank you so much for calling in. I appreciate it. Appreciate you being part of it with us here uh, and uh, talking with us. We got one line on hold. We're going to jump to them here in just a moment, but I have to finish this break. We'll continue in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show continues. It is your home for Common Sense Radio. A little bit of what if up next as well as phone calls. 907 433 3150. What is that? Common sense. Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, we're in the break right now. Um, I've got one line on hold, caller. I'm about to jump over to you here and get your take uh, on whatever it is that you want to talk about. So hold the line for just a second. I'm gonna get <clears throat> gonna get your uh, name and number or name and uh, location right now. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? Hi, Michael Fairbanks. This is Tim. Hey, Tim. All right, hold the line, my friend. You are number one in the queue. And you will be first up. So Tim is on the line from, um, uh, for, I think you said from Fairbanks, right? So it's Tim. We're going to talk to Tim here in just a minute. So hold the line. Okay. Uh, we're going to be back here to there. Let me go get caught up into the chat room to see what you guys are talking about. Um, <laughs> Natalie was probably thinking, uh, was probably thanking God that she accidentally got into that meeting. Yeah, no, I mean, you'd think that'd be like, could you imagine shock? You see your, pl- you see your property up on a planning board and there's this road running right through it. Wouldn't you be like, what the, f-? I mean, but to me, it's almost like, uh, that's a shot across the bow. Natalie was the property she was the private property rights queen. She was the one that initiated that uh, grandfather rights ordinance with her and Tammy Wilson. And then when I came in and took over after Tammy went into the legislature, uh, it was Natalie and I uh, fighting on that uh, property uh, and grandfathering those private properties in so that you couldn't, uh, so you were grandfathered in for all your general use and everything else. It, uh, it, it definitely is. Uh, <clears throat> yeah. So I think that was somebody sticking their finger in her eye on that. That's an interesting thing. Who was, who is the lawyer on the Fairbanks Assembly? Isn't she part of the Northern Justice Project? I don't know who the current Assembly lawyer is. If Barbara's still in the chat room, she can tell it, uh, tell us who it was. 
Um, when I was there, it was Renee Broker who was, she was amazing. She was an amazing attorney and an amazing defender of public rights. Um, I thought she was phenomenal. Dil, uh, Jill Dolan took over for her after Renee retired. <clears throat> and um, um, Jill was, uh, well, she was not Renee Broker. Let me put it that way. Um, and uh, I was not a, uh, is still, Jill Dolan is still the, the, the attorney. Yeah. Um, she is definitely uh, of a different vein than um uh than uh Renee Broker. So is what it is. Um but she was I, I don't think she views I don't think she views the citizens' rights in nearly the same light that uh, Renee did. That is that is that is my take on it. Um and Barbara says it's not the attorney at Savannah Fletcher on the assembly who is with the Northern Justice Project. So it's not the attorney, it's one of the assembly members. Surprise, surprise, surprise. That's happened in the past too. We've had, we had a couple when I was on the assembly there at the end, there was a couple who were, who were friends with the Northern Justice Project and with the Northern Environmental Center and all that kind of stuff, which I think is now the Northern Environmental Center was renamed to the Northern Justice Project. Am I right? I think, I believe I'm right on that. I know they changed their name. Or was it the Center for the North? Now, not the Northern Environmental, whatever it is. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Savannah is running for the mayor of the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Oh, God. You conservatives in Fairbanks, you best get up off your butts and do something about that kind of stuff. I mean, you guys cannot let some of these folks become, I mean, we've, we've watched this assembly swing back and forth and back and forth and it's just, you know, we spend, it seems like the conservative members, when they do get back in power, spend all their time trying to undo some of the crazy stuff that happened under the previous assemblies. Guys should just get your, just, just, yeah. <sighs> anyway, okay, so Tim's on the line and we're going to talk with him. And then um, I do have this story uh, from the Wall Street Journal for the what if segment. We'll do a little bit of a what if segment as well. And uh, then maybe we'll do, if I have time, we'll do this one little feel good segment, which is, I mean, it's not, it's, it's kind of a cool story. I don't know if it's feel good. It was feel good for me because I love seeing nature and the, the whole thing. But uh, anyway, we'll, we'll see what that, we'll see what that comes down to. Tomorrow on the program, uh, Jack Klaus from the Alaska Shrine Temples from the Alaska Shriners is going to be joining us talking about the big football game this weekend at the Dome. We're going to talk about that. All right. So we are ready to go. Let's get cracking on this and uh, and get back to it. Tim's on the line. Tim, we're about to come to you. 15 seconds here. Here we go. Common sense, liberty-based. Free thinking radio, like, share, follow, do all the secret, it's not secret stuff, but do all the secret stuff. Let's get it going on. Here we go.
Okay, uh, one final segment of the program this morning, ready to go. we got a phone call on hold. It's Tim. I believe he's up in Fairbanks. Maybe I misheard that. Maybe that was just my brain working that way. But it's Tim on the line. Tim, what's on your mind, my friend? What uh, What are you thinking about? Hi, Michael Dukes. Uh, I didn't hear everything Barbara had, but uh, I got two two things right now that I'm in the top of my head: NIMBYs and hypocrites. Right. Right. Okay. You there. I'm, I'm here. NIMBYs and hypocrites. Give me the. Are you talking about the differences or what? Nim- NIMBYs. So, so the. So what she's talking about? I'm living here in in the same spot for 41 years, and. This neighborhood is what's generating this whole deal with the property. And I am the last person. I've been to several uh, uh, meetings now, borough meetings about the property. And I start my testimony with, I'm the last guy that wants to tell somebody what to do with their property. But these people that are trying to develop this property have changed my mind completely. Um there is a heck of a delay here. Are you still there? I'm still here, Tim. Go ahead. There's a little bit of an echo, but I'm trying to cancel it as best as Boy, I can. I, it, so I'm muting myself as you go forward. So just go ahead, Tim. Okay. All right. So anyway, the neighborhood that I'm in is the neighborhood that's generating this stuff. I've talked to Kellen Spellman, the, uh, development guy. I mean, we, we've, we've had a major deal over here and these people that want to develop this property, uh, I have told, looked them in the eye and told them you're not being a good neighbor. I mean, you, you talked about putting a road in a Natalie's property. Well, this summer, one of these people that bought some acreage over here, there's what the borough has, they call them orphaned roads. And that's what I live on. We have not got a dollar from anybody to maintain that road. I plow it. In fact, I got a pickup my with a broken axle on it right now, so I can't. But anyway, this summer, this outfit just starts bulldozing trees and putting a road in. It's an orphan road. It's been trees for forty over forty years. And I walked down to the guy running the bulldozer and I said, "What are you doing?" Well, we're putting a road in. I said, "Well, did you talk to the borough?" Oh no, I don't know. You know, it's. These people just, they have money to do this stuff. And Barbara Haney just said that. She said, they, they got the money. Yeah, they got the money. Um, if they got, and, and that brings up the other question about their the, these uh, tax uh, credits they give them. Three years, no taxes. Well, they got the money to build this stuff. They got the money to pay the taxes. Everybody else paying taxes, they don't need those tax breaks. And uh, the other thing I got for her is, what responsibility is it for the borough to provide housing for the military bases? It's not. They got plenty of land in this borough. They can put the stuff out there. Anyway, as you can tell, I'm fired up. I am pissed off. And I'm, I I'm guess I'm going to have to go to the borough assembly meetings and, and just, I, I don't see it doing any good, but I'll let them know what I think. Well, well, Tim, let me ask you this. I mean, I'll, the, I'll shut the, up for a minute. Well, yeah, the heartbreak. I mean, you, you obviously have heartbreak with this whole thing going on. Um, is it because they're changing it? Is it because they are 
uh, you know, is this change? Is this property that you had you had an opportunity that you could have bought to protect your view shed or your area? I mean, what's the major? I guess I guess my question is, what's the major heartbreak you're having with this over you know over this change as it would go through? What's what's the biggest what's the biggest problem you see? Okay, well, it's it's a long process. So in 2008, they did a rezone. This area is probably uh, 25 acres. They did a rezone in 2008. I didn't pay attention much back then. I should have. So it used to be real estates, single-family type stuff. Well, now they've opened it up to do multifamily things. Uh, and also we got water back here. So w- when they, we didn't have uh, city water, uh, they want to put sewer in now. Everybody's on septic. Um, oh, I lost my, t- so it's, it's, it's a long process. Oh yes. I had an opportunity. I didn't have the opportunity to buy the property cause I didn't even know it was for sale. And if I did, I, they're asking so much money for it. I couldn't, I couldn't uh, afford it anyway. Uh, it, it's, if you were living here for as long as I have, and you see the the changes that are coming or the changes that have come, uh, it's it's not it's not. If it was your neighborhood, you wouldn't appreciate it. And that's the NIMBY, and I'm a hypocrite. So I see, I see what you're saying. I see uh, I, now. I get in, in the paper in the paper yesterday that. Yeah, yeah, say now I get your NIMBY and hypocrite comment because you're like, not in my backyard. I'm a hypocrite about it because I would like to tell people not to do whatever with their property, but I understand what you're saying now. It can be frustrating to have that happen. Go ahead. Final thoughts. Okay, well, that's so in the paper yesterday, this one of the developer people is quoted as saying, uh, and I've dealt with these guys. My neighbor is the guy in the paper they're talking about who wouldn't sign for them to develop it into a multifamily uh, development. And that isn't even the truth. They first wanted to put a business on it. Then they, when they, then they bought another business down the street on Davis road. So, but anyway, they made it sound like they were real great people that they didn't sue him to try to get him to do it. Well, no, as far as I'm concerned, they've been the real asses and, and my neighbor's a good guy. Uh, and I'm glad he didn't, didn't, sign off on it. I also take exception with the term uh, illegal subdivisions. When all these, sub- and I'm, the piece of property I'm on was done like that. When these subdivisions were done like that, they probably weren't illegal. I, I, I'd, I'd question the lawyer and I'd say, come up with a different term because they weren't illegal when they, they how could they stand? Right, right. Well, right. I think that's I think and I appreciate that, Tim. I think that's what uh, I think that's what Barbara was talking about was that they're not technically illegal, but they weren't to code or they weren't to the borough platting departments thing or whatever. And she she even said that illegal is they were done legally, but it wasn't, I guess, the right way, you know, kind of thing. And yeah, what you're saying and what you're sounding off on about right now sounds like you said, I mean, you're admitting that you're being a little hypocritical about it because, yeah, it's hard when you've lived in an area for 20, 30, 40 years and everything's always been this way. And then somebody jumps on a piece of property and starts to develop it that. Yeah. I mean, I imagine that that is irritating and I understand the irritation. But also, if you had decided after 30 years that you wanted to change your property around, you should have the right to do that as long as it's within the law. Uh, and you're not hurting anybody else. I understand that. And you're admitting that, which I appreciate. Um, uh, but this is change, my friend. The only constant 
in this world is change. And that's where we're that's where we're at right now. Tim, thank you for giving us your perspective on that. I appreciate that. Folks, we are out of time for today. Tomorrow on the program, uh, we may have uh, I'm working on some other guests. We'll see who we can bring on board to talk about some stuff. But we are going to have uh, Jack Klaus with us. He is the. Uh, uh, he's one of the uh, head of the football unit there for the Alaska Shriners. They're doing the big shrine football game for the kids. The high school, it's an all-star high school football game down at the Dome. They're pulling kids from all over the state to showcase their talents. And it's all benefiting Shriners kids and the Shriners travel fund for kids in the state of Alaska and stuff. We're going to talk with Jack Klaus about that in the hour or two tomorrow. So, uh, should be a fun show. Appreciate you coming in. Thanks for joining us. We will see you tomorrow. Be kind. Love one another. Live well. The Michael Duke Show. All right. Well, thank you, chat room, for coming on board and being part of it today. We appreciate it. And uh, we appreciate you coming on board. Um, it uh, it's it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting uh, uh, conversation, especially about the property rights. Um, Barbara says that Tim was. She said, "I'm happy to talk with him. His issue with the illegal subdivision is different from what he is angry about." And so she said, you know, he's about, he's angry about zoning issues. Uh, she said, the gentleman is angry about a zoning issue, totally different issue. All right. Well, we appreciate that. Um, Michael, how about having uh, Ole Larson and Kathy McCullum on the show? Uh, I, I will try to reach out to them and see if I can get them in. Okay. Uh, we're done for today, my friends. We will see you tomorrow have a great day oh don't forget to like and share don't forget to subscribe on youtube all right we'll see you later wrong one
we've shed our terrestrial radio skin, and now we are slimy lizard internet people. It's the Michael Duke Show. <laughs> 